Listener Production. Hello, it's me, Ursula Carlson. You know what this is. It's the best of episodes. Over the next few weeks, we will be covering all of the bits from season three on this podcast. In between all of the cry laughter and belly aches, we actually had some serious scandals this season. Are you listening to That's Enough Already or an episode of Gossip Girl? Who knows? Sit back, sip your tea and listen to all the inside scoops and gossips that my guests reveal this season. Oh, it's juicy. Shh. That's quite enough. Just, just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. It's shush, please. Uh, uh, yes, I can hear. But I don't care. That's enough already. First up, it's my good friend, Tommy G, or as you may know him, Tom Gleisner. He hints at the return of my favourite show of all time. Thank God you're here. Will it finally come back? Will I finally star in the show? You'll have to listen to find out. So Spicks and Specs is back. Do you think we can get Thank God You're Here back? Is it coming back? We've we've always kept that on the, the back burner. We, we've have a bit of a tradition over the years um, with the shows we've done. We never want to outstay our welcome, yeah. and uh, we loved making. Thank God you're here. We, I think we stopped it at the time because we felt we'd exhausted the talent pool. It's a rare breed, we think, who can step yeah. through the door and, and make it work. Um, so that was the reason. But we've always said to ourselves, we'd love to do another series, and. Um, in the whatever it is, six, seven, eight, ten years since we last did it, I, I forget time these days, uh, there's so many amazing new people yeah. who would be just so much fun to shove into a Viking costume. Would you do it, Ursula? I'd be available 100%. I'd be glad. Done. All right. I reckon it's a, it's a lock. I'll, I'll speak to my people. But if you're willing to step through the door, I reckon we've got a series. Mate, I'm, I'm in that door. I'll be there as much as, you, as much as you'd have me. If you sit in a room and the stuff that make you laugh the most is the little throwaway jabs or the little, the interaction between people, like say you and Sam, mm. like that that almost is a show by itself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. The, 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 you just know that, that what you just heard was in the moment. It yeah. couldn't have been pre-prepared because it was a reference to something that was just said a minute ago and um, Audiences really, really, really respond to that, and yeah. that's why. And sometimes the the scripted stuff, you go, it just just doesn't take off in the, no. in the same way. Thank God you're here was interesting because we we were always asked, um, do the contestants know know the scenario? Do they do they get a bit of a, a heads up? And we used to say, you know what, if we thought it would make for a better show, we'd tell them. Yeah. You know, we're not playing for sheep stations here. It's it's just an entertainment show. But we realised very early on that the less they knew, and in fact they know nothing, yeah. the more genuine fun it was because a, a pre-prepared stuff, you'd smell it. It's it's yeah. something it's something about the authenticity of it's in the moment and that slight sort of look of fear in the eyes as even in Thank God when they... When the contestants stepped through the door, we we used, we talked about where what should the camera be on? Should it be on their their point of view or the set? And we realised we we the audience wanted to see them. We wanted yeah. to see their eyes clocking the fact that oh my god, I've just stepped into a medieval monastery. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, that was the moment. Queen of Drag, Anita Wiglet, spills the gossip performing at Adele's after party. And what was she really like in person? And how the wheels came off? Get your popcorn out. It's a goodie. 
So you hosted Adele's after party when she did a world tour. Did you meet her? I did, but I was like, okay, would you like the truth? Yes, please. <laughs> it, it sounds so impressive, doesn't it? Like, Anita Wiggler, she's done the, the after party of Adele's world tour. And, and, and in many ways, it's true. But also, it's not as nice as it sounds because basically we got, it was at the Fisherman's Club, I think. Oh, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And it's basically yeah. this little skyscraper and as a rooftop bar, amazing views. And a lot of sort of celebrities like Justin Bieber and Dell have their after parties or had their after parties there. And um, we got asked by the venue to do Adele's one. They were, oh, very exciting. Of course, we'd do it. And so we, we got there. We're waiting outside at the front. And we're just sort of waiting and waiting. An hour passes by. <laughs> and we sort of call each other like, uh, uh, are we allowed? Are we coming in now? Because we're sort of employed to to sort of host and mingle and and so on. Uh, and basically, long story short, this is what we got. But Adele didn't want us to arrive until she'd gone. So so we sort of wait. We've been waiting for about two or three hours at this point, and suddenly the door opens, and then out shoots this sort of a couple of people, uh, security, Adele runs behind them, hops into a car, the door closes, and we're like, oh, great. Well, that was our moment to meet Adele. And the car drives forward about a metre. The window winds down. She goes, you look beautiful. And then she drives away. Oh and we're God. finally allowed into the club then. And so we got to party with all of her, um, her backup singers and her band and the whole production team. So we got sort of got to see Adele, but it wasn't sort of the, the glamour that it looks like it is what I quoted on my website. <laughs> on Piper, yeah. The king of comedy, Jimmy Carr, joined me this season and he did not hold back in this episode, especially when it came to talking about the biggest scandal of the year, the Will Smith, Chris Rock, Oscar slap. Whose side is he on? Whose side am I on? Ooh. Listen and find out. Listen, let me ask you something. You know that Chris Rock, Will Smith thing, right? Because you're on tour. Yeah. Um, you're like one of the most prolific touring comics in the history of touring comics, right? When you saw that, when Will Smith slap Chris Rock. What was your initial thought? He's, uh, Will Smith has rung the dinner bell for crazy people. Yeah. I was with then, like, four weeks later, I was with Dave Chappelle on stage at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, we, uh, you know, he played the Hollywood Bowl and a bunch of us, including Chris Rock, were on the bill with him. Yeah. And we were on the side of the stage waiting to go on for kind of the encore bit and a guy attacked Dave Chappelle yeah. with a with a knife. And it was it was crazy to be around. I mean, here's my hot take on the Chris Rock Will Smith thing. Will Smith deserved that Oscar, yeah, because that's the greatest piece of acting we've ever seen. He pretended to be a nice guy for thirty fucking years, yeah, and it turns out he ain't. Yeah. So take the Oscar. Good luck with it, yeah. uh, Chris Rock. For my money, maybe the best comic working, maybe 100%. the best comic ever. I mean, he's extraordinary, yeah. and. Uh, Will Smith has, you know, it's it was a home game for Will Smith because it was the Oscars, right? Yeah. So he's at the Oscars. That's that's clearly that's his crowd. But the response was just, it's crazy. They gave him a standing ovation. Yeah. He didn't apologize properly. Yeah. I mean, he knows he fucked up. Apologize to to Chris Rock. Yeah. It's easy. It's yeah. like the old joke. There's a great old joke of the uh, a guy goes for a job interview, and they say, "What's your greatest weakness?" Yeah. And the guy says, "Honesty." Yeah. I'm just too honest. And the guy doing the interview goes, why don't you can really call honesty a weakness? Yeah. And the guy says, I don't give a fuck what you think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I just, I love too much. And when you love someone too much, sometimes you hit a man making a joke for no reason. Yeah. like it, And make a total cunt of yourself. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah. Okay, great apology. Well done. Have you ever been smacked on stage or someone threatened to do it? No, but I should have been. <laughs> I've, said some, I've said some pretty sketchy things. Talking to Miff Warhurst in this episode made me realise why I could never do reality TV show. Number one, I'm not prepared to eat monkey anus. And number two, she had to hang over a canyon. Miff spills the behind-the-scenes goss while on the set of I'm a Celeb and the time she may have told a cameraman to fuck off. I mean, who's never been there, right? Oh. Hi, um, you went to South Africa to the jungle and I'm a celebrity, mm. get me out of here. Mm. Do you first question, do you think now during COVID and that where people are just going up, you know, they're just in the bush in Aussie, do you think they're getting off lightly? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. look, I think I think it's the same kind of trauma that everybody's going through. In fact, I think it's probably worse because there's more creepy crawlies that can kill you in Australia. But I do think we Do got you think so? Yeah, absolutely. What, you've absolutely. got malaria mosquitoes where you are in Africa? Yeah, no, we gave up taking the malaria tablets after about day three because they make you bonkers. Yeah, so we were all just lathering ourselves in, in spray and, and there was no risk of that. But it was, I don't know, I just feel like in Australia you know, you know what, what can kill you, whereas in Africa it's all a bit vague. You're not sure. They tell you about the, the black mambas and all of those things yeah. which were around, and but you just don't kind of think about it because you're in a different environment. I just know what we know what's about to happen in the landscape here. Yeah. Whereas there it's like, oh, that's exciting. A snake that can spit in your eye and kill you. <laughs> <laughs> when you do something overseas, it's always like when you're in Australia, you you know, uh, health and safety and WorkSafe Australia and all this shit is on deck and mm. they'll be checking stuff. Whereas when you're in Africa, you go, fuck, let's hope this harness holds you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my rationale in my head. Like I was actually... The first woman in South Africa to bungee jump out of a helicopter. Whoa. That was what they made us do on the yeah. very first day. Yeah. I've never been in a helicopter, let alone bungee jumped out of one, and I'm yeah. terrified of heights. So I would not normally be the first woman in South Africa to bungee jump out of a helicopter, but I was. And it's because I had to tell myself they can't afford to let me die. They literally yeah. can't afford to let me die, not on the first day. So even no. though it will be awful... I don't think they're going to get it wrong. I just had to have faith and you have to give over faith and control and, and all of those things. And it was freaking terrifying. It's the worst thing I've ever done. And people who say, oh, you must must not be scared of heights now or you must just be able to do that stuff. And I'm like, no, it's changed absolutely nothing. I'm still totally traumatised by that experience and I will yeah. never choose to do it again. <laughs> no. I would not be able to do it. Like every year for, say, the last three, four years, they've gone. They've asked me to go on it and I go, I mm. can't because I, I wouldn't be able to do anything with heights um, and I would probably punch someone in camp. Like I just... <laughs> Yeah, look, there's that. I think I was lucky we had a pretty pretty good crew. We're all still on good terms and, you know, I think you bond by trauma so you're a bit kinder yeah. to each other. Um, but, yeah, I thought I couldn't do any of those things and uh, I just, when I was there, you, you kind of don't have a choice. But what they didn't show in that when I was hanging, left hanging after I'd flown off a freaking water slide in a canoe and hit some things to set off yeah. fireworks, like it's bonkers. 
in order to get off, you're almost like kind of going up a, a cliff face. And they're like, oh, hang on, we've just got to change a battery and a camera while I'm hanging there over. And I said, and I said to them then, and this is when I reckon I, they were like, nah, she's done. She's out. I think it's time to go. I said to the camera guys, I said, get me the fuck down now. I was like, I'm not waiting for your battery change. Get me the fuck down now. And I was screaming at them just because yeah. I couldn't handle it anymore. Like that was it. I'd done my limit. Yeah. And, yeah, and they didn't show that on the show. <laughs> it's just probably no. fortunate because my people think, you know, I'm a nice, kind person, which I am. But I think when anyone's pushed in that situation, you end up just because, like I was ter- like it was traumatic. It was, I was terrified and I just wanted to get the fuck down now. <laughs> Like as soon as I do it, you need to get me to safety e Fucking immediately. Yes, 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 it's done. I've done. I'm at my limit. I've got nothing else to give. So, yeah, yeah. that was a bit brutal for them to see. But, I, yeah, I didn't last too long after that. I think it was only a couple of days. I think they saw that I'd had enough. This next scandal comes from very good friend of mine, Steph Tisdale. We found out we had a lot in common. Like, we both like to boycott bras. I mean, who doesn't? But what she reveals in this episode confirms we share one very important thing. Let's just say... She swings the door open to a big secret. So you've got a you've got a brother that's a doctor. Is it just the two of you? No, I've got um, three older brothers. So my oldest brother is an electrician. Um, the next one down is uh, the doctor. He's specialising in emergency. Um, and then the next one down, I literally say to him every time I talk to him, I'm like, I don't really understand what you do. And he's like, that's okay. But I think he's in marketing. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, so he's the, he's the one with the most money. But yeah. no, the electrician will be the one with the most money. <laughs> Pretty much, except he's yeah. the only one with kids. So, so is he the only one with kids? And you've got yeah, the because everybody else is gay. Really? Yeah. How fucking cool is that? I know. Your parents are a gay factory, and it's so funny because, um, like, okay, so recently I started dating a woman for the first time ever, right? Okay. Okay. Wait. wait. You can't just fucking <laughs> drop in on a lesbian's podcast and go, yeah, so I just started dating a woman. Anyway, so my bird speaks Swahili. <laughs> so, uh, no, because it, it's really funny. So we we always thought it was funny. I've yeah. got three older brothers and two of them are gay, right? And yeah. um, there used to be this old joke in the, just that old men tell around the table where they're like, yeah, yeah, so I met your brother. Oh, and this is his boyfriend. Oh, okay. Um, and this is my other brother. This is his boyfriend. Oh, okay. This is my other brother. This is his boyfriend. Oh, okay. Does anybody in your family date women? Yeah, me sister. Haha. <laughs> like, there's that really dumb, stupid thing, whatever. And we always thought it was funny, except for the oldest one who was like, what happened? Like, I've got kids. <laughs> <laughs> it might be one of those that come out and he's 50s. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was like, my dad was like, so I don't I don't understand Seb. I said, I'm not, I'm not a lesbian. And he goes, but but you've got a girlfriend. Yes. But I'm not a lesbian. What are you? Whatever. Well, how would I explain that to people? And I was like, probably don't, Dad. Like, just no, don't. I fucking pity those people who are so straight who cannot. Think their way out of a pair of khaki pants, you know, and just don't get it. They don't fucking get it. If I've had a look through the list, and I think I'm more pansexual yeah. because, uh, you know, I'm I'm open to any anyone, and I don't think I can limit myself to only women who love other yeah. women. That's not me because I find other 
people, non-binary people attractive. I find, you know, trans people attractive. Like, I, how do you say you're just into... Yes. I don't think you can be that rigid. Right, that's... Uh, like that's my thinking yeah, as well. So it's confusing for me, so I can't even imagine <laughs> sitting my brother and sister down and going, "All right, let me explain this." <laughs> you understood the lesbian vibe. Now let me explain this one. Mum and Dad are just like, "Did we do something? Like what? What are we doing?" <laughs> you go. Shouldn't have let us watch Golden Girls. <laughs> Um, oh, basically, I have never in my life questioned my sexuality and then I had an abusive relationship and it got really shit and um, I think I am so terrified to date another man um, and yeah. it made me rethink my entire life. I literally, like, fled my house to go and film Total Control and I had all my shit in a garbage bag and drove down. Um and that was what made me feel safest was that I was away. And then on that job, I was working with some really open and queer people who were talking about their experiences and that what it means to be queer and open. This idea that just allowing yourself to love people for who they are and to recognise what you need and all that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I just met this girl and she is like the most amazing person I've ever known. I couldn't care less what gender you are you are so worthy yeah. of every bit of love I have in me, you know? If I love somebody, I think that they are the most attractive thing in the world. Like I don't have a type, I don't have an anything. I could happily date men or women. But it is something yeah. that I worry about is about like taking space in that, in that community. You can't exclude people because you go, you're not gay enough. And that happens. And I tell I, I fucking get it. And I'm as gay as they come. I once hosted a um, the lesbian gala. It's like a big dinner that they have every mm. year. And I hosted that. And at the time, my wife was with me, my lesbian niece, her girlfriend. We had like a whole table. And I could hear like rumblings in the crowd and people were being rude to me. And I said to this one super butch lesbian, like a stone butch sitting in the front. And I go, and she was like, heckling me but not loud enough for me to hear it and I went you're right and she went you're at the lesbian ball I just thought they could get a lesbian to host it and I said oh I don't worry I am a lesbian I'm here with my wife and she goes no not a pretend lesbian a real lesbian and I said to her what does that mean you'd like me to eat it out at your table Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already, hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by Natalie Turner. Supervising producer was Nick McClure, and special thanks to Ella Leaf and Big Sutherland. Couldn't do it without you, gals. If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe, share it with all of your friends, tell your mum, tell your sister, don't tell that annoying brother of yours, you know, but definitely share it with a friend.